Well, good morning, church family. And if this is your first Sunday here at Windsor Road, we're just delighted to worship with you together here at uh, in the church family here at Windsor. And uh, my name is Randy. Um, that we are never more united as a church family, as a congregation, than when we together exalt the one who is the reason why we are here, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, um, if you are new, we have been in a teaching series on the topic of emotions, the emotional life in Christ. And today, we're going to conclude that series uh, on emotions. Our teacher today is uh, Dr. Hudson Reel. Hudson is a, a man of God, a devoted husband and father, and the Reels are active in our church family in many areas, specifically in uh, Celebrate Recovery, our uh, uh, ministry that meets on Friday nights here at the church. Hudson is a clinical psychologist in our community, and uh, Hudson has been a sounding board for me as we've just talked through this series on emotions, and I just thought it would just be wonderful uh, to have us hear the Lord's Word through this man of God. So I invited Hudson to share with us this morning just biblical wisdom on the theme of painful emotional experiences. Painful emotional experiences. We've all come to this room from so many different places this week. Um, but I'll bet every one of us has a story about a painful emotional experience and how we're going to respond to that in a way that uh, honors God and in a way that reflects a spiritual and emotional health. And so I've invited Hudson to come and share with us just some, just some just rock-solid wisdom that you can bank your life on uh, uh, from the Word of God. So let's welcome Hudson. Good morning. So as Randy mentioned, I'm Hudson Real. Uh, I've been uh, attending Windsor Road for approximately six years along with my wife, Crystal, and our three young children. And during that time, also have had the opportunity to develop some close relationships here, very dearful, uh, dear friendships. And I've had an opportunity to serve as a clinical psychologist uh, in our community. So when I was asked to speak on emotions, when you ask a psychologist to speak on anything, let alone emotions, this is a loaded question. Um, but as I, was, I was contemplating and praying on this topic, the content of today's message, what kept coming back to me was the power that emotions have. The power they have in our lives to affect every relationship we engage in. The relationships with ourselves, with our Savior, and with others. And emotions have this ability to take us to the highest of highs, these joyous events that we cherish. And at the other extreme, they accompany us to the depths of despair. And as Randy mentioned, we're all going to experience this in life. So what do we do with these emotions? If we look at Romans 12, 15, we begin to gain some biblical insight. It tells us, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Now, rejoice and mourning in a lot of ways represent extremes on the continuum of emotional experiences. And the Word tells us to experience these things together. Why? 
We're going to take a look at that today. But before we do, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to join together today uh, to worship you in full knowledge of your grace and your love for each one of us. Father, I pray today that we hear your truth, your wisdom, and that stays in our hearts and we operate on it as we leave these doors today. I pray for each individual here that their ears will be open and their hearts will respond to your wisdom. It's in your son's name we praise and give you thanks. Amen. So explore this topic further. I first want to invite you to take a look at a list and challenge you to find the underlying common factor here. What pulls all these things together? I'll give you just a minute. No expectations, but we are an educated crowd. We're a university community. Now, I have to say the first group did not get it, so you have a chance to excel here. Any takers? No? It's understandable. This is uh, difficult. Maybe this next slide will help. So my three-year-old son, Christian, the list you saw represents all the items my wife and I either found or witnessed going into our pool. <laughs> In the month of June, right? And we were gone for part of it, so this is how busy this guy is. So, you know, it's easy for me to laugh about this now. And, and even the first couple items into the pool, I come home, it's kind of funny and cute. Um, but if I'm honest, after the, the third or fourth, fifth one, frustration set in. And that frustration eventually led to anger, which I harbored, and eventually led to me having an outburst at my son, yelling. You know, let me back up just uh, in my defense here. All these items, the beginning of them, were pretty innocent, I think. But the tablet, <laughs> that wasn't his, right? That was actually his brother's. And he had to go into the house, get the tablet, and then get to the pool before my wife intersected him. He was successful. But nevertheless, I lost control and yelled at my son. Uh, fortunately, I was able to make amends and properly deal through the guilt I experienced and all is well. Unfortunately, there are some experiences with intense emotions that we can't render quickly, some that we can't escape, and that emotional pain will stay with us. That brings us to the big idea. Emotional pain can strengthen or weaken your walk with Christ and others. Let me say that again. Emotional pain can either strengthen or weaken your walk with Christ and others. The way in which we respond to unpleasant emotional experiences will determine their utility. Emotions are powerful things. They're meant to move us. Will these experiences move us closer to Christ, bring others to us, and we to them? Or does it isolate us? Does it cause us to lash out or engage in some other maladaptive, sinful behavior? So we're going to take a look at three crossroads that we have when dealing with emotional pains. The first 
is what we call emotional reasoning. And we'll talk about more of that in detail in a moment. This affects all of our processing of emotions. And then we're going to talk about two particular crossroads with anger and guilt. Now, most of us, if not all of us, experience emotional reasoning on a daily basis. Emotional reasoning is when you are likely experiencing intense emotions and you begin to mistake your feelings for facts. And you resist the logic that will challenge that accuracy. This can look and take many forms. From a child that's upset because he thinks his sister broke his favorite toy, even though in some ways he knows he didn't or she didn't, but that fear and anger is blinding him, to that adult in deep despair who, despite all the evidence around them, feels like they're alone and no one cares. But because they feel that way, it must be true. Emotion, emotional reasoning happens when we follow our heart's desires oftentimes. When we're engaged in emotional reasoning, we're vulnerable to either not responding to the emotion that's causing the problem in the first place, or to actually act on a, what we call a secondary emotion. So, for example, someone may something, say something or do something that hurts you. Instead of being open and vulnerable and telling this person in a constructive Christian-like mindset, we fire back with anger. So now we're working on anger, which is not the actual problem. It's the pain that we suffered from this situation. Proverbs 28:26 quite adequately describes emotional reasoning like this. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. So what do we do with this pitfall of emotional reasoning that we're all prone to as humans? Well, we can start with 2 Corinthians 10.5. It tells us, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We all talk to ourselves 24-7. There's lots of different names for this self-talk, internal dialogue, intrapersonal discourse. If we can learn to pay attention to that self-talk and be willing, and that's the key part, once we're aware of it, are we willing to hold what we're thinking up against God's wisdom and what God has to say? If we can do that, then we have a biblical defense against the vulnerabilities of emotional reasoning. And God provides an avenue for us to successfully navigate that. Before moving on, I want to clarify a few points. As I'm aware and sensitive to the fact that I am a clinical psychologist and I don't want my words to be misconstrued. There are many multitudes of reasons why someone uh, will engage in emotional reasoning, have emotional difficulties, intense and extensive grief, and even emotional disorders. The presence of these type of struggles is not proof of a deficit in our spiritual life. I want to be clear about that. Second, 
Our tendency to respond to secondary instead of our primary emotions makes perfect sense in a lot of situations. First, sometimes we're not even aware that this process is occurring. We're not conscious of it. And then let's face it, primary emotions can be frightening, threatening, and overwhelming things. These are not easy situations to deal with. Now, as I mentioned difficult situations, I can't help to think about the grief that many of you are likely experiencing this week after learning of the death of Kayla Woods. I can only imagine the pain that her parents abandoned Crystal, her grandparents, and other family and friends must be experiencing. I can't say with any degree of certainty how those impacted by Kayla's death are responding. I do know and want you to know that many in the church are praying for you. I also know that when we are able to move towards our own and others' emotional pain by calling to God and offering and accepting help to and from others, we afford ourselves the opportunity to comfort and be comforted. For those of you that are grieving Kella's death or for other reasons stricken by grief and sadness, I encourage you to lean on Christ and those that represent his church. Psalms 46, 1 through 3 reminds us, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth may give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. And then there's Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those whose, crush, whose spirits are crushed. Now, I don't know about you, but in my times of emotional pain, it's felt like the earth has given way and that my spirit is crushed, like I can't take another step. It's during these times that emotional reasoning wants to pull us away from what's effective, from what God has planned for our lives. I encourage you to hold fast to the wisdom of Psalms 34 and 46. We serve a God that is more than capable of seeing us through these tragedies. Now, just as emotional reasoning pulls on our flesh, at this juncture, I think it's important to mention something else. God is able to utilize our emotional experiences to bring us closer to Him and each other. But let's not forget we have a spiritual enemy. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us, Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And if there's one thing I've learned in my personal life and my professional life, emotions is a very vulnerable place for him to get a foothold in our lives. Thankfully, I'm also reminded of 1 John 4.4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. No matter how strong despair may feel, our emotional state and Satan's influence does not govern God's power in our lives. Now, for the next two crossroads, anger and guilt, uh, these are huge subjects where I, I don't have time to go into depth to the extent they deserve, but we'll make do with the time we have. Now, when it, 
may seem counterintuitive, but I actually think we should praise and give thanks for anger and guilt. How many are with me? No? <laughs> if we think about it, and as Randy has talked about, these emotions represent part of the image of the Holy Trinity that, that we've been blessed with. These are very powerful, motivating forces in our lives that, again, can move us towards God or pull us away and move us towards others or pull us away. However, when we allow anger to dictate our behavior, we step into some very dangerous territory. James 1, 19 through 20 makes this very clear. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And I want to highlight this says human anger. There's lots of reasons we get anger. And for those of you that need some secular knowledge on this subject, the great philosopher Chuck Norris put it this way, men are like steel. When they lose their temper, they lose their worth. So how we respond to anger will have an incredible impact on ourselves and those around us. As I mentioned, we become angry for many reasons, some godly and some others. While we may not be able to control the onset of anger, we are responsible for how we handle it. So how do we handle it? Remember, emotions give us information. You're angry for a reason. I encourage you, as does the Word, to hold those thoughts captive. If you're willing to do this, is this godly anger? And if so, how do I respond to it in a godly way? Or is this anger based on my flesh? Now, it's easy to say in the moment when we're not angry, take this rational step and compare your thoughts and your reasoning to God's. But as I just said, emotional reasoning causes us to dismiss that logic. So how do we do this? Well, unfortunately, or maybe thankful for me, I don't have enough time to go into that in great detail. Uh, so I'll leave that to those uh, from whom you seek wisdom. But I will tell you this. You know, God has created us in a, a wonderful and amazing way. Our emotions are tied to both our intellect and our physiology. If you have problems with anger, we need to address both of them because they're both working against you. So finally is the lovely crossroad of guilt. Right? Again, a very powerful, motivating emotion. Unfortunately, in my line of work, I see the dark side of guilt often. People tormented for things in the past that they can do nothing about. And I'll touch on that in a moment. But there are two characters in the Bible that have what I would consider some common experiences with guilt in their walk with Christ. I'm speaking of the Apostle Peter 
and Judas. Both men walked with Christ, was witness to His miracles, and declared Him Lord. Now, without getting in too deep into theological issues regarding the extent of whether or not Judas was actually a believer, I want to focus on the fact that both men betrayed Jesus with full knowledge of their action. Both likely experienced guilt, shame, and all of the negative thoughts that come along with those emotional experiences. Now, most of us know how this turned out. Peter went on to become the great apostle, and Judas committed suicide. While again, there are many theological issues surrounding this, I think it's safe to say that in some way, Judas' guilt led to behavior that did not reflect him turning towards God for repentance and seeking shelter for his emotional distress. Instead, he took his own life. And on the other hand, we have Paul, who did turn his guilt over to God. And because of God's grace, mercy, and love, many of us have reaped the benefits of Peter's repentance. So what do we do when encountering guilt? I'll share with you now some wisdom I received many years ago that have been immeasurably helpful to me. If you're being convicted by the Holy Spirit for a sinful behavior, then the guilt you're experiencing is meant to motivate you towards repentance. It's meant to move you towards Christ. However, if you're still being tortured by reminders of your past actions for which you have asked forgiveness, those reminders are not from the Holy Spirit. I encourage you to remember Psalms 103.12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. We will all experience pain in life. We have, are, or will. This includes emotions that overwhelm us, seem to strip us of hope, and riddle us with shame. The good news of Hebrew 13.8 comes to mind. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that forgave and comforted Peter, the same God that sent his only son to die for us on the cross, will always be there to comfort us. So let's review a few things. First, emotional reasoning. Fueled by the flesh and at times Satan tells us that because we feel alone, we are alone. That the grief we're experiencing is unbearable. Second, emotional reasoning tells us that the fleshly urges fueled by anger that we experience are both justified and irresistible. And third, that guilt we feel is evidence of our unforgiven, deplorable state. The Word of God speaks to all of these traps. Christ was crucified and rose so that we no longer have to follow our own thoughts, so that we're no longer enslaved by our emotions, so that we can use our emotions as God has attended. 
And let's not forget when Jesus tells us in John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. The Holy Spirit resides in each of us. It's meant to comfort, and it facilitates our ability to comfort others. Not only does this provide the means to call on to God during our own emotional pain, but to move towards others and have others move towards us during these times. So that the Spirit that lives within each of us can use those called to Christ to comfort others. Galatians 5:22 through 23 tells us, but the spirit of the, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Emotions, yes, even emotional pain is something that Christ uses for his glory and by extension for ours. But we have a choice to make. We have these crossroads. And we have godly wisdom to tell us how to navigate these successfully. And that's my hope and prayer for each of you today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your unfailing love and wisdom. We pray, Father, that your knowledge on emotions is embedded in our heart and mind so that we may move forward and act in a way that allows us to use this gift of emotions in the way you intend it. That we're ever, ever mindful of Christ's sacrifice, death, and his resurrection and what that means to our freedom from being chained by thoughts or emotional reasoning. It's in your son's holy and precious name we praise you and give you thanks. Amen.